You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. Even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. This is the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally you get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. What's up, homies? Welcome back to the Bed Slippin' Podcast. It's our 2022 AFC South preview as we continue along with our NFL 2022 preview series. Uh, this is one of the tougher divisions to handicap, I would say. Uh, that's probably the nicest way to put it. The meanest way to put it is this division kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer here. Of course, I got the homie Nathan Beagle, a.k.a. Nate Dog, here to help me break it down. But we join, we welcomed a guest, excuse me, to spice this podcast up a little bit. Uh, an insider with a ton of knowledge on the Colts. He's a Colts Wire editor, an NFL Wire analyst, and colleague of ours. Welcome, please, the great Kevin Hickey. What's up, Kevin? How we doing? I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been reading your stuff for a while here. Um, a little more so recently just because I'm ramping up the NFL preview stuff. Um, notice your name a bunch on uh, Giants Wire, but we're here to pick your brain about uh, Colts stuff when we talk about the Colts, break down the Colts. Uh, just a quick overview of well, what you've been up to, Kevin. Um, what, how long you been uh, running Colts Wire? Uh, about five and a half years now. Uh, got got my start with Giants Wire. Uh, shout out to Dan Benton uh, giving me my start. And then as the network was expanding, uh, they gave me the chance to uh, take over the Colts Wire as the managing editor. So I've been doing that since the site launched in uh, March 2017. So you've covered a new quarterback every single year that you've been there. Every huh? single year. <laughs> is it's that exciting or exhausting? Brutal. No, what is it? it's awful. It is exhausting. Every single year, I got to go back and watch film on a new quarterback, see how they fit in the offense. What are their tendencies? What are they good at? What are they not good at? It's exhausting. Just get somebody and hold on to them. Yeah, well, I'm sure Matt Ryan will be there for the next, like, well, eh, I'm not. Eh. I look, I hope, I hope, <laughs> but years, I'm not. Three years. Next year, I'm just going to expect a new guy to step in. I mean, the cool thing about the Colts, you know, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. We're going to talk about them, obviously, in a few minutes. But the cool thing about the Colts is they have everything so well buttoned up, except for mm-hmm. the quarterback position. The, the offensive right. line's... Uh, regressing a little bit, but it's still going to be pretty good. I, I like Michael Pittman. Who knows about that new kid, Alec Burks? But uh, Matt Ryan, if he can, if he has even like seventy-five to eighty percent of his prime left in him, you know, the Colts could yeah. be a could should win the division and and could win a playoff game. Um, if he's over the hill, uh, you know, it's you guys have enough there to be around a five hundred team, but you know. Again, this is something I'm just going to talk about here in a a few minutes again, but like the Colts season just kind of rides rides or dies with with Matt uh, Matt Ryan. So, Um, but it's just, it's funny uh, hearing from you because this is something you've had to live with for the past few years, just having to break down new quarterbacks. It's it's like an annual tradition. It's been a wild ride. It really (laughs) is. That's how it's become. It's incredible. Uh, all right, but again, we're here to talk about the AFC South. Uh, Nate, I didn't officially introduce you; just kind of breeze past it, uh, breeze past your intro. What's up, buddy? Yeah, uh, what's up? Uh, glad to be back. These these are kind of fun, and I will let the listeners know. There's listeners that have been riding and dying with us. They would know that uh, 
and Kevin, you as well. Last year, we basically bet the Jags to win the spread of every game. So this might this this podcast might get some Jaguars love again. Yeah, it's possible. I lost an unnecessary amount of money on the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, so. <laughs> I didn't so really I, I fully that, come to grips with it until they fired Urban Meyer. I was like, you know what? Maybe I got, maybe I got, uh, maybe I got the wrong side of the Jaguars the whole well, year. Now we can be like free agency, draft, head coach. Now there might be reasons for optimism. So all I'm saying is, uh, there's an unnecessarily love for the Jaguars, and you may just want to tame that if you can. Dude, I am on the fence, and I can easily be pushed into betting uh, plus 700 on the Jaguars to win the AFC South. Dude, I can easily be pushed into second place at plus 350. What I don't is- care about the Titans or, or Colts, but one of them will regress, and the Jags, if they win eight, yeah. screw it. There it, it is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have the odds in front of you, Nate, but if you can look up Trevor Lawrence for MVP, I can sprinkle. I mean, who knows? <laughs> plus 10,000. Who doesn't love it a little bit? Doug I mean, Peterson. He did it with Nick Foles. I'm legit not selling any stock on Trevor Lawrence. Um, however, we're we're getting way ahead of ourselves because, <laughs> of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars will be the final team we talk about since we are going uh, by order of how the teams finish in 2021. Just a quick recap of the division itself. Uh, the Tennessee Titans won the AFC South last year with a 12-5 and record, clinching first place and a bye in the AFC playoffs. Ended up squandering that bye by losing in the division round to the eventual AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, 19-16. And what was a a pretty terrible performance at a a Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Indy was in playoff position up until week 17 uh, when they lost their final two games to the Las Vegas Raiders and embarrassingly to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They finished 9-8 in the first and only season with Carson Wentz. Uh, Frank Reich's fifth season running the Indianapolis Colts. Another winning year, but another uh, one-and-done year for a quarterback at the uh, in Indiana, uh, Indianapolis. Excuse me. Uh, somehow the Jacksonville Jaguars actually had a worse season than Houston, despite Deshaun Watson going AWOL from the Texans in the preseason. Houston finished 4-13, and uh, being led by Davis Mills, who was a rookie third-round pick or Second day pick for the Houston Texans. Jacksonville got a, a number one pick for the second straight year, going three and fourteen. Uh, and they had fired and battled head coach Urban Meyer after thirteen games. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, experiment with Urban Meyer and first year with Trevor Lawrence was an abject disaster. Uh, again, we're going to go through these teams and how they finished. Um, so we'll start off with the Tennessee Titans right now. Tennessee Titans again. They finished twelve and eighteen to end, or excuse me, twelve and five to end last season. Um, their betting profile: their win totals put at nine and a half, with the over at plus one fifteen, the under minus one forty. To make the playoffs is minus one ten each way. To win the AFC was at plus one fifty, went up to plus one seventy as of earlier this morning. They're plus fifteen hundred to win the AFC. The Titans are and plus three thousand to win the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll start it off with you, Kevin, here. How are you looking at the Titans coming into this season? Are you high on them, down on them? What are your What are your thoughts uh, around the Titans? Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably with consensus. I feel like the consensus this offseason is, you know, kind of expecting regression a little bit. Um, I, I see it hard for them to repeat those 12 wins. 
especially, you know, Derrick Henry's coming off the foot injury. You lose A.J. Brown. I think that's a huge, a huge factor in their offseason. And, you know, I know he was hurt a lot last year, but thought we, you know, you also kind of saw Ryan Tannehill take a step back. You know, he had those two years where he was, you know, arguably the most efficient quarterback in the NFL. And it even got to the point where you're wondering, is it because of Derrick Henry that the Titans are so good or is it because of Ryan Tannehill and how he's playing? But kind of came down to earth a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think losing A.J. Brown, they go ahead and they draft Traylon Burks. That's kind of been a rocky road so far. So, you know, it's it's kind of um, it's kind of hard to see them being, you know, the, the clear cut favorites in the division. I expect them to be a pretty, you know, physical defense, you know, led by Mike Vrabel. They still got a lot of good pieces on that side of the ball. So they're, they're definitely up there and they're definitely have a chance to, to win the division. But, you know, I think it's, it's up for grabs now because I don't, I don't really see them as the clear cut favorites anymore. Uh, going back to what you said about Traylon Burks, what, what, what did you mean by that? What, so it's been a right uh, so, uh, shaky start so, OTAs. Yeah. Just the asthma stuff that he's been dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got to mini camp and, you know, it, it's, it's probably not going to be a big deal. It's probably not going to wind up being anything. You know, I don't really want to make the comparison because they're completely different players. But, you know, you had the whole Jamar Chase thing last year where he gets into into training camp and they're saying he can't catch an NFL football. And then, you know, he goes and shatters records everywhere. So, gotcha. you know, I don't think it's to that point. And it's probably a little more overblown. It's probably just offseason stuff. We got nothing to talk about. So, you know, oh, Traylon Burks can't breathe at practice. You know, it's probably one of those things that gets overblown a little bit. But also, Traylon Burks, you know, in my opinion, he's he's pretty close to A.J. Brown. But a lot of people are calling him, you know, an exact replica and, you know, the perfect replacement. And I don't really see that. I think their games are very different. I think A.J. Brown uses his speed a lot better. I think he's just a faster player overall. But I think this offense is definitely going to take a step back. You know, even with the return of, of Derrick Henry, he's getting up there. I think he's 28 right now. Um, you know, coming off that Jones fracture, that's not a not an easy injury to come back from. You know, I know Derrick Henry's a freak. Um, I, I think we can all say that, but you know that that fracture it definitely has a high re-injure uh, rate, and then it's just it's caused by stress. It's caused by overwork when it comes to athletes. So, you know, look at the workload he's been getting his career and over the last couple seasons specifically, and you you have a, there are a lot of question marks that they have to answer. Right on, man. Yeah, I, I had an idea of what you're talking about with Traylon Burks. I read about that. Maybe it was on Titans Wire that he was dealing with asthma problems, got pulled yeah. out of a practice. Um, but I did did space out and forget what you meant. But uh, I'm happy that you uh, rehashed that and explained that to our listeners. Good stuff. Uh, Nate, how are you sizing up the, the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, so I don't really have... So I, I was on the Titans when they kind of had better favorites now. It seems like their odds have regressed a bit and the Colts have improved because I know earlier on in the year, I'm pretty sure they were the favorites to win uh, the AFC South. It's like a coin flip. Um, Yeah. In terms of a betting perspective, I think the only thing that I, that like pops out to me is I don't hate Derrick Henry to lead the league in yards. And like Kevin said, it's a risk because his, his injury, he could get injured again, but he's been an Ironman so far in his career. And I think uh, he's had an off season to recover He's had over 300 touches in two of his last three seasons, and he would have uh, he would have beat Jonathan Taylor last year had he been healthy. I mean, he was in eight games. Had he even played 16 at the pace he was on, he would have broken that record as well. So it's plus 500 right now. It's got a juicy payout. There's only a few players that can um, 
to even have the workload to be able to get this award. And it's either Henry Taylor or Najee Harris or something like that. So uh, I don't really like any Titan specific thing. And I think Kevin basically summed up what they did this offseason. They also lost a guard. So uh, Safford, right? Or Saffold? Yeah, Saffold. So I'm not sure how that'll play. I don't know if it'll be that big of a deal, but I did make a note of that. So I like Derrick Henry. I don't. I don't think I like the Titans much else. I like the Colts to win the division. So I don't find much value in any of their uh, team specific uh, bets. So there's these year by year trends that I mean everyone who reads about football and knows about the NFL has heard. Right? There's five teams in and five teams out of the playoffs every year, and it just feels like everyone's expecting Tennessee to fall off a cliff. And at this point, you know, a, a contrarian mindset is usually the, a profitable way to attack sports sports betting. And I just heard so many people who are qualified, who know what they're talking about, formulate great opinions, Kevin's one of them, who are down on the Titans. And it all makes sense, right? They were 6-2 and two in one-score games. They were 12-5 and five with a 10-7 and seven pie thag. Uh, they they had a negative DVOA. They're 20th in DVOA for the season. Um, they had an, an easy schedule, but their schedule actually gets easier this year. They uh, and The other thing that I could say for them that – I think is going to is going to help them actually is they did deal with a lot of injuries on the offensive line. Um, Julio Jones missed seven games. AJ Brown missed four and didn't play a hundred percent of the snaps in several of the other games that he was in. And I'm not going to make a Tannehill top 10 argument, but I can make a a Tannehill above average argument pretty easily. I mean, he's 30 and 13 as a Tennessee Titan starter He's 27th in DVOA last year. Pretty terrible, right? Football outsiders hated Ryan Tannehill. PFF had him eighth. Uh, EPA over uh, plus uh, completion percentage over expectation. He was 12th. QBR, he was eighth. Third in success rate. Had four game-winning drives uh, or three game-winning drives, four fourth-quarter comebacks. You might be flipping those two. Uh, stats. But the point is, like, I think you can make a pretty credible argument for Tannehill being average to to above average. In fact, and I do think there is a bit of um, a rally of the troops, and no one believes in us vibe with the Tennessee Titans. And for looking at Col- uh, Coach Rabel's records over his first four years in Tennessee, nine and seven, nine and seven, eleven and five, twelve and five. So it's steady improvement out of him. Um, and that I think, I mean, he, he did get the credit he was due last year. He he won coach of the year, but I still think he's underrated. I think most of the media views him as a meathead and a lot of the football nerds just don't like look at him as like a, a, a cerebral coach when in fact he, he really is like he uses the rules in a very Belichickian shitty way against his opponents. And it's impressive watching him do it. So I understand that the Titans um, could be in for a shit year. And if they are in for a shit year, this could be a rebuild, right? They, they, they have ways where they can get off of Tannehill's contract. He comes completely off the books after 2023. Same thing with Derrick Henry. They could cut both these players at the end of the year, eat a little bit of the dead cat money. So I just feel like there's possible profit to be made 
by fading what's become a common take right now. No offense to either one of you guys, which is like the Titans are going to be bad. You know, I I don't necessarily believe that. They've been great situationally because of Mike Vrabel. I think they'll con- be continue they'll continue to be great situationally. And if we're being fair about the receiving core and the injuries they dealt with last year, I think this receiving core could be better. At least play him to a draw. I mean, Julio Jones might be a Hall of Famer. He was a dud last year, right? Robert Woods, if he's healthy, as is as consistent as a wide receiver as there has been in the NFL, especially um, with his productivity um, catching passes from Jared Goff. I mean, he's a, a more than capable blocker and actually an exceptional blocker for a wide receiver and someone who's used to blocking for a bell cow running backs. And uh, Traylon Burks, I do think he does match up uh, from a profile sense very similarly to A.J. Brown. He makes tough contested catches playing for Arkansas behind in a, in a an RPO-heavy offense, he wasn't making like these clear runaway catches. He was catching the ball in traffic and a quarter, from a quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, who doesn't have elite arm talent. So I am concerned about the asthma, right? But, but to Kevin's earlier point, maybe it's just like people need shit to talk about in the offseason, right? It could be a little bit of that. Or he could be a bad draft pick. We'll see. At plus 170... I kind of talked myself into it. I'm going to take it. I don't, I don't feel great about it because, again, there's this, that thing where it's like five playoff teams always shit the bed and five new ones come in, and this feels like one of them. But it does feel too easy. It does feel too easy. So I'll zag. I'll take the Titans plus 170 to win the division. Those are my final thoughts on, uh, on the Tennessee Titans. Before we turn it over to your team, uh, Kevin, do you have any final thoughts on the Titans? No, I mean, I just, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. You know, I mean, I think they're going to be a competitive team. They're going to be in there, and especially in the AFC South, right? They're all the division's always going to give you a chance to win. Um, <laughs> yeah, they are. But I just, I just think uh, a lot of the things that they're going to have to face might be a little tough for them to be, you know, an eleven-win team even maybe even a ten-win team. You know, it all it all comes down to how Tannehill plays. It all comes down to uh, Robert Woods's health, you know, and how he comes back from the ACL. Um, and then, you know, Traylon Burks, I, hell, I drafted him in dynasty. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of hope he does well. I want him to do well. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a decent learning curve for him right away, especially considering the limited route tree he had at Arkansas, which wasn't really his fault, right? No, you, no, you, yeah. you, you, you kind of mentioned, you know, the quarterback situation that he had, and just the offense in general. So, you know, he's an incredible athlete, incredible with the ball in his hands, and I think that'll work well with the RPO offense of the Titans. But um, I think it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be a little harder for them to run away with the division, uh, just considering everything that they have to face. Understood, and mostly agreed. The one thing, and this is actually the biggest note, and I didn't even mention it, I know defense year over year isn't very predictive. I think Tennessee's defense is going to be fucking nasty. I think they're going to be nasty. Like that secondary, Caleb Farley, if he could live up to his first round potential, I mean, you're adding him to a a, a secondary that's sick. They probably have the second or third best safety tandem in the league behind Buffalo and maybe another team you could find. Christian Fulton had a breakout year to an extent last year and is expected to play better. They have 
they actually have a, a decent amount of cornerbacks in their their front seven. I, I like them. So um, I'm high on the defense. I'm going to be looking to hit their unders here um, in the season because, you know, they're obviously going to be taking the air out of the ball by handing it to Derrick Henry all the time. Um, right. And their defense is good enough to, like, get teams off the field um, pretty quickly, I think. But, Nate, uh, any other thoughts on the Titans before we go to the Colts? Yeah, no, let's take on to the Colts, team I love. All right, all right, cool. Then I'll let you start here. Uh, well, first, let me give the betting profile of the Colts. Right now, they are um, not, They also have nine and a half wins. The over is juice heavier, minus one forty-five. The unders plus one fifteen. So they are they are the favorites to to win the division at minus one twenty-five to win the AFC South, minus one seventy to make the playoffs. Nose plus one thirty-five, plus twelve hundred to win the AFC. Plus two thousand to win the Super Bowl. So we'll start with you, Nate. Even though Kevin is our Colts expert, um, why are you high on the Colts this year specifically? Uh, I think I'm high on the Colts just because kind of what they improved on. So their two weak points last year, as I'm sure Kevin will allude to, is their red zone defense sucked, twenty fifth best in the league in red zone percentage, and the red zone offense wasn't great, ranking twentieth. Um, Matt Ryan and Stephon Gilmore are gonna potentially help change that. I'm high on them to make the playoffs and i'm sure kevin can get into more of the technicality of what the team did this offseason and how they're looking but the one that i wanted to highlight is i think the colts to get to i think this is an interesting one i'm gonna pull you and pick a bet i like stage of elimination wild card round plus 200 so i think the colts have a few options they win the afc south like they're projected to and then they get to play a team that's a wild card team or they get in the wild card and then they play a team. Either way, I don't find them as an elite AFC team, but they're an elite team in a division that may not be elite, if that makes sense. So you're Especially saying maybe what, they host the wild card round against the Chiefs, we'll say, the Chargers get get beat up a little bit? Yeah, maybe they get the Chargers or uh, the Ravens in the round, wild card round because I okay. think they get to the playoffs. They've improved enough. Matt Ryan has shown that consistency throughout his year. He's lost in the wild card twice in his career, and he's made the Super Bowl once, as we know that twenty-eight to three comeback. So, uh, yeah, worst sports betting oh. loss of my life. All right, I'll that as well. <laughs> and I was trying to dig into value about him, and I like the Colts so much that I'm not going to fade them, but I'm also not going to bet that they get over nine and a half wins, especially with Ryan's age and finding a new offense and how not great their defense was at giving up touchdowns last season. Start off zero and three; they weren't. 500 till after 10 weeks so uh i think there is skepticism to be had and i don't like their division law or their division values but i've been a big matt ryan fan since his days at boston college so uh i think there's potential for them to be pretty good there all right so um Nate uh, uh, touched on some of the the big offseason moves obviously uh replacing wins with matt ryan adding stefan gilmore uh, i think Trading Rocky Sin for Nagakwe could be good, could be bad. I mean, Rocky Sin was a good good cornerback, and they uh, they actually had a strong secondary. No T. Y. Hilton. What of those moves or any other moves um, jump out to you, Kevin? That are going to kind of make or break the Colts twenty twenty two? Yeah, I was going to mention the uh, the Yannick trade. Um, you're you're right. Losing Rocky Sin, that's a it's big. He really. Um, you know, for the first two years of his career, he was pretty up and down, right? Like he flashed this ability, this physicality at the line of scrimmage, you know, would make plays on the ball once in a while, but 
you know, dealt with a lot of penalties, dealt with a lot of, I don't want to say rookie mistakes, but like developmental mistakes, right? Then in 2021, he kind of has this quasi breakout year. And everybody's kind of like, oh, man, this guy's really ascending. You know, he's young, going into a contract year, and then all of a sudden he's traded. But they traded him for a guy that they need. They need that that kind of dog pass rusher that's going to keep keep it coming throughout the game. I mean, you talk about um, the red zone defense, and it was it was rough last year. And kind of on top of that was their fourth quarter defense. I mean – the Colts blew leads left and right, and it was all because of a lack of pass rush. It was all because their edge rushers couldn't get home. They couldn't impact the quarterback. And it just, I mean, you can just go back to the Baltimore game. You know, the Colts had that game in hand. It's fourth quarter. They've been trashing Lamar all game. All of a sudden, the pass rush dies, and Lamar has one of the greatest games of his career. Yeah, played backyard um, football and stole that one. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And it was all because of a lack of pass rush. And it's kind of been the theme, you know, for the last four years or so, three years since Matt Eberflus came along. You know, he has this bend but don't break defense. And for the majority of the, the season, it's you know, it's fine. It works out. But you get those instances, man. You get those those fourth quarters where there's just no pass rush. There's just nothing there. And to add Yannick to that unit that has DeForest Buckner, who in my eyes is an elite three tech, right? He's an elite pass rushing defensive tackle. You know, I obviously wouldn't put him in the same tier as Aaron Donald, but you know, he might, he, I, you can make an argument. He's in that second tier. Then you have Quiddy pay who, you know, slow start dealing with an injury during his rookie year, but then the second half, he really explodes, shows a lot of promise. Um, so now you got two guys on the edge with Quiddy pay with Yannick Ngakwe, and then you got DeForest Buckner in the middle. All of a sudden, the pass rusher doesn't look so bad. It's got a lot of promise, right? And then you talk about another guy um, who kind of fell under the radar last year, Dio Dangbo. Uh, Second-round pick was coming off an Achilles, so he missed half the year. But, you know, he's another guy. They they The Colts themselves comped him to Justin Tuck. And, you know, as a Giants fan, that gets my blood. That, that gets me going. You know what I mean? So Yeah, it's straight for him. Right. So it's like it's – it's uh, there's a lot of potential with this pass rush, and I think that's what's going to make the biggest difference for them. And I think that's what's going to keep them in the playoff conversation because, you know, Nate mentioned the the slow start, the 0-3. They weren't 500 till week 10, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. And they, you know, go on this kind of crazy run for the last, you know, stretch of the season before the final two games. But, you know, I think it's it's that, that defense, that fourth quarter pass rush that's really going to, you know, we're projecting this, but it's that's what's going to make the difference, right? That's what's going to keep them from being a nine and eight team and oh all of a sudden they have 10 wins um so i think that's kind of the mindset that that the fan base that the colts media i think that's kind of you know the majority consensus there and then you know the Stephon gilmore uh, addition that's huge you needed that especially with kenny moore you know potentially holding out he wants a new deal um and we don't really know what's going to happen with that until next week when they report for training camp but you know, then you're starting safety, Kari Willis. He retires, surprisingly, you know, during the offseason uh, to to be a minister. And then, you know, there are some question marks on that defensive side, but the additions they made kind of make it a net positive a little bit in my mind. And then, you know, just quickly on the offensive side of the ball, Matt Ryan, obviously, I, I in my opinion, that he's so much of a better fit than Carson Wentz was. You know, Wentz has the big arm. He can make the big plays. He's just way too volatile. 
way too volatile for that offense. They need a guy who's willing to, in their own words, make the layups, you know, hit those crossers, hit those checkdowns, keep the offense moving. You know, don't don't try to do too much when you don't have to. Um, and, you know, I don't want to say that Wentz was a bad quarterback because he wasn't. You look at his numbers on the surface, they were good. Um, you look at the deeper uh, analytics, you know, like DVOA, like uh, QBR, you know, he, he's, he was a fine quarterback. You know, he's yeah. a pretty average quarterback. You saw it. Right. But it was just that volatility. It was just too much. And then the timing was pretty bad. You know, those that week 17, week 18 was really when it fell apart for him. That's really when he hit those lows. And when he hits those lows, when he hits those valleys in his game, it sometimes it can be too much for an offense, even even with an offense that has Jonathan Taylor. So I think the addition of Matt Ryan, you know, he's seen so much throughout his career that he's going to be able to make improvements pre-snap, post-snap. He's going to hit those crossers. You know, he's going to know where guys are, and then he's going to be able to set them up after the catch too. And that that was one of the biggest problems with Wentz's game is he he didn't allow the pass catchers to really work after the catch. And I think it's going to – that's a big proponent of Frank, Frank Reich's offense, so it's going to be a big uh, big improvement in terms of comparison to last year. So uh, third easiest schedule in the league. Do you like them to uh, maybe win 11 or 12 then? Because they're yeah. uh, to 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 get that they got they got some juice to hit that uh, AFC AFC champion. I think it's like plus twelve hundred, and you they gave have, a lot of positives. Defensive line improved. Matt Ryan. I mean, I, I I try to be conservative when it comes to projections because you know I don't you know I write for the Colts or Colts Wire, and you know I don't want it to come off that I'm biased and I think these guys are going to win the Super Bowl because I, you know, I don't. I ultimately don't think they're a good enough team to win the Super Bowl right now. And we already um, established you're a Giants fan, so whatever. Exactly. So you know, I'm, my heart has already been broken a million times. Um, so you know, it's 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 going to be interesting because the first seven games on the schedule is what's going to set up. I mean, it, you know, it kind of sounds dumb. The first half of the schedule is going to set up the second half, but the first seven games are all against AFC opponents and five of them are in the division. So you come out of that, you know, with five wins and four of them are against your division mates, you're already setting yourself up for a nice little run. Uh, The biggest thing with them is going to be getting through the AFC West. I mean, all four of those teams, you, you could probably make a pretty good argument that they would be the best team in the AFC South. Um, I mean, even the Raiders who, you know, they, they beat the Colts last year and then they added Devontae Adams. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't know how deep of a run I would actually believe them making. I actually thought it was interesting that you brought up the, you know, um, eliminated in the wild card because I I mean, I think that's a, it's definitely a possibility. I think they could definitely win a wild card game. But if, if they do draw the Chiefs, if they do draw the Chargers, who they play in week 16 this year. Um, or the Bengals. Or the Bengals. I mean, yeah, Ravens, all of those teams. They're, the AFC is it's incredibly deep this year. I mean, there's it's you can make an argument for so many teams. So, you know, it's I, I think they're I don't want to they're definitely not a lock to make the playoffs. Anything can happen. We saw that last year with the Colts themselves firsthand. But, you know, I think they're a pretty solid bet to at least make the playoffs. And then we'll see where it goes from there. It's it's just a little too hard to predict you know, when we haven't even gotten to training camp yet. But, you know, I, I definitely view them as the favorites, even if that sounds a little biased. Yep. No, it Jeff, makes sense. I mean, the mark – I'm sorry, what? I was just going to ask if you're fading them, what your play was. I'm not going to fade them. I'm pretty neutral on them. Like, 
the Colts or uh, the Falcons were seven and ten last year. They had no fucking business being seven and ten, right? No. You know that I I give a lot of credit to Matt Ryan on that one, and I've been like a, a Carson Wentz apologist, right? Like that year. Uh, the second to last year he had with the Eagles where he threw for 4,000 yards and there wasn't a wide receiver that had 500 yards. Like I thought that was an underrated Carson Wentz year. Like I thought the team that they saddled around him was a joke and the fan base and the organization didn't do enough to support him. Right. He was terrible the next year and his final year in Philly. And, and, and last year, like, like Kevin, you were, you were saying like there is, you could put a lot of positive spins on how Carson Wentz played last year. However, there were two and five and one score games, and frankly, I put that on him. I do. I put that on him. Frank Reich had them ready to go. Their systems were ready to go. Matt Eberflus was a, a a top, I don't know, top ten defensive coordinator. Hence, him no longer being on the team. He took a head coaching job. So, and also, like they traded a what turned out to be a first round pick for him. And then send him back in the next year. That tells you everything you need to know about Carson Wentz, right? So I agree. Matt Ryan is, he could be a pretty good upgrade. He could be a massive upgrade because the the second best Colts season in the Reich era was with Phillip Rivers. Obviously, mm-hmm. obviously the first one was Andrew Luck. Um, but I thought Phillip Rivers did an awesome job. And I, I could see Matt Ryan pretty much doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Um the, uh, the Yannick for Rocky Sin trade is frankly a trade that helped both teams. I could, you know, I could see the Colts being better off because, you know, Grover Stewart, whose name you didn't mention, is an awesome underrated defensive tackle. You put him next to De- DeForest uh, Buckner uh, with Quiddy Pay and, and Yannick. If he can keep up his production, you have a, a sick defensive line. You go a little further back, you have Darius Leonard, one of the best linebackers in the league. And and the secondary is is pretty strong, so I don't see any opportunity really in fading the Indianapolis Colts preseason. I do I do have some concern about maybe some regression out of the offensive line. They had a plus fourteen turnover differential. The defense really really thrived and, and relied on turnovers that they just might not get this next year, right? Um. And, you know, I like Michael Pittman, but, like, if he doesn't take a step forward, then the Colts could effectively be without a number one wide receiver. Mo Alley-Cox really isn't a tight end that's that sexy. I mean, he can make some jump ball catches in the end zone. You know, he's a former basketball player. But I guess I'm more or less spinning my tires and beating around the bush. I don't have a, an angle here with the Indianapolis Colts. You know, I... I, I'm I, I'm effectively taking a position by taking the Titans to win the division, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts were to win the division. And the Matt Ryan thing is just a home run for them. So, I don't, those are kind of my final thoughts on on the Indianapolis Colts. Um, turning it over to you guys. Uh, it, it, well, I'll go with you, Kevin. Do you have a specific bet with the Colts that we can talk about? Um, yeah. With the Colts, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too deep, but there was one that kind of caught my eye, and it's it's not. Let's workshop it, baby. Yeah, I'm not like a huge better, right? So I don't really know how this is going to come off. But when you look at the offensive rookie of the year, um, I feel like there's not 
you don't have that Jamar Chase. You don't have that Justin Jefferson, right? So it's a it's a bit of a stretch because Alec Pierce is, I think, plus 3,000. Um, Happy to talk he, about a plus 3,000 all day. Love it. <laughs> all <laughs> he right, the all plus right. 3,000, and he's a Bearcat. I, I don't know if you know this, but I live in Cincinnati. So I did not. Um, go Alec Pierce. Go for uh, it. Let me hear it. All right. It. Okay. So you've got Alec Pierce. I mean, they absolutely love this kid. He's everything that they want in a wide receiver. Um, you know, he's going to be competing for the starting role right away. Paris Campbell is his biggest competition and he's played 15 games in three seasons. So, you know, maybe Paris Campbell stays healthy and that would be great for the offense, but it's, it's probably not likely, right? Yeah. um, and, you know, putting it, putting it nicely. Yeah. Uh, but then you just look at the field, right? Look at the other players that are there. You know, in the betting odds, you have Kenny Pickett, who's probably the biggest wild card, right? If he gets a starting job right away, quarterbacks typically win awards. And, you know, it's possible he has he has a lot of talent around him to the point where he probably, you know, he it's there's a reason he's the favorite for that award for that betting total. Um, but, you know, we touched on the Traylon Burks, you know, it's going to be a, a, a big learning curve for him. He may not produce right away. Uh, you know, Brees Hall has to share a backfield with Michael Carter. And I love Brees Hall. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be a really good running back. But he's also got to deal with Zach Wilson. Same thing with Garrett Wilson, right? Chris Olave, you know, he's got he's got Jameis. If Michael Thomas isn't there, that could be a big target share for him, a lot of production. So he's kind of one you got to worry about. But, you know, you just look at the field, look at the guys that are ahead of Alec Pierce. And obviously, they might have better arguments. But this kid can come in right away and be second on the team in targets, probably second on the team in receptions. Um, he's a perfect fit. I mean, a perfect fit for Matt Ryan. He's that vertical outside guy who's going to go up, make a play downfield. Um, you know, he's going to come in. He, he's probably at worst going to be the wide receiver three in the offense at worst to start the season. Um, so he's going to have the opportunity. And then, you just look at the way the offense was for the Colts last year. They were so run heavy down the stretch because they didn't trust Carson Wentz. And even though they said they did, you can just tell, you know, a coach can't lie through his play calling, right? So you see when they get in those big moments, they get in those late game moments and they they wanted to run the ball. The Colts were one of the, I think, one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL last year. And I think just natural regression, they're going to have to throw the ball. And then you factor in they have Matt Ryan, a guy who, you know, he had a down year last year in terms of his standards, but he has a solid offensive line. It still has potential. It's not as elite as it used to be a couple of years ago, but still pretty good. Uh, he has the running game to lean on, so the box is probably going to be light for him to throw against. And then you have this young rookie who's six foot three and runs a four four with a near 40 inch vertical. So, I mean, this dude is an incredible athlete. He has strong hands, very good concentration down the field. So I just, I look at that plus 3000 and, you know, I'm obviously not a better, but I feel like the field is more wide open this year. There are a lot more question marks with the other players that he would be competing against. Um, even the first round picks like, you know, James Williams probably, gonna, you know, he might miss half the year. Uh, Jahan Dotson has Carson Wentz to deal with, and he's got Terry McLaurin there across from him. So, you know, I know the running backs produce a lot earlier in their careers than wide receivers do, but the opportunity is going to be there for, for Alec Pierce to make an immediate impact. 
That's a good handicap. And the, the most important thing you ended it with was just the opportunity, how much he's going to be on the field. I was eyeing up Traylon Burks initially when I was right. looking at this market. He's plus 750. Those odds are shit. Right, I don't see him being like a lock. Like that makes him the the second best odds with Drake London behind Kenny Pickett. So I like your look here for Alec Pierce. Excuse me, Alec Pierce at plus three thousand. Um, I don't mind like taking a little dabble or sprinkle on on that. I mean, you don't have to have that many quality handicapping angles to sprinkle on a thirty to one, right? So I hear you. Um, all right, cool. Uh, do you have anything else on this, Nate, or do you want to move on to to Houston? No, let's let's move along. I I like the the opportunity plus no favorite vibe that I got though. I I enjoyed listening to that. That's all I was saying. Yeah, that Thank was you. a solid take. I appreciate that. It's more impressive than anything we've done on this podcast yeah. this episode. I, I so. doubt that. Better than anything I've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, much sharper than anything that's ever came out of our mouth. So thank you. Um, all right. So moving along to the Houston Texans, who uh, yeah finished third in the AFC South with a four and thirteen record, twenty eighth in DVOA, uh, eight and nine against the spread. Now Lovey Smith replaces one and done coach David Coley. Um, obviously, the big story from the Texans last year and still this year is the the fallout from the whole Deshaun Watson thing, which they're, again, still dealing with. But Davis Mills comes in as a starter in his second year, showed flashes uh, last year in uh, the 4-13 and Houston Texans season. The Texans are projected to win four and a half games with a little heavier juice on the under. It's minus 120. Plus thirteen hundred to make the playoffs. Holy shit! I that was jarring just to read that. Plus thirteen hundred to make the playoffs. No is minus three thousand. Plus three thousand to win the AFC South. Plus ten thousand to win the AFC. Plus twenty thousand to win the Super Bowl. I don't have a lot on this team. It's hard fading a team at four and a half wins. Um, it might not be that hard to fade the Texans at a four and a half wins, but I don't want to sit there with a, a future ticket at that, that low of a number, you know, and it feels kind of square to bet the under on the lowest uh, projected win total. But I mean, if it's, if you, if you can cash that ticket, whatever, uh, uh, can you talk me into betting any side of the Texans, Nate? I can't, I literally don't have much on the Texans besides <laughs> literally everything I have is negative. They lost safety, Justin Reed. They lost Tyrod Taylor. They lost Steven Nelson. Uh, the, they did add a lot of talent in the draft. I will say that they had four picks, I believe in the first two rounds, they had Stingley jr. Uh, Kenyon green, a guard, uh, Jalen Petre, I think is how you say his name, a safety. And then John Michi from Alabama. So, I mean, they're improving, but I don't see them being a five win team, but you're, you're absolutely right. At the same time, I'm not holding a ticket on a four win team when no one's going to try in week 18. That's also not happening. So we can carry on. I'm sure uh, Kevin's probably done some analysis on the Titans through his uh, coach writing, but yeah, I, I don't really have much on him. I'm not, I, nothing popped out to me and I'm not fading a team that's plus 1300 to make the playoffs. So the first question I have for you, Kevin, I guess is, so Davis Mills is probably the, what the second best rookie quarterback last year behind Mac Jones. Um, do you think there's any legitimacy to that? Like, could he be a full-time starter or was it just like, I don't know, just got lucky effectively a couple times? Um, I think he showed enough. 
and ob- it's obvious through their offseason moves. I think he showed enough to where they they want to see where it can go, right? Like uh, they they didn't draft a quarterback uh, with any significant draft capital. They didn't sign anybody to really compete with him for the starting role. So, you know, I I think he's a fine quarterback. Um, I think he's more of a quarterback too, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I think uh, his game is a lot easier to exploit in the NFL. You know, you rough him up a little bit, you get a little pressure on him. The Colts did really well against him, uh, you know, running their cover one, cover three. So you you do that against Davis Mills and, you know, you you start to see why, you know, he, he didn't have a lot of draft capital coming into the league. But, you know, I think, I think he flashed enough to where they're going to want to see what happens, you know, see where it goes. But, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we get down to week 15, week 16, and all of a sudden we're starting to talk about, you know, the Texans taking CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. I don't like, I, like that's, that's, I guess that's my thing. Davis Mills isn't going to keep the Texans from drafting a first round quarterback next year. Like that's what's worst case scenario for them, you know, is they, they just tank and they get Stroud or right, Bryce Young. Exactly. So. And that's that's kind of one of the things that popped out to me. I mean, I obviously you guys know like values and stuff when it comes to betting better than I do, but it's a pretty safe bet for them. I mean, it's plus two twenty for them to have the worst record. I really think, you know, it's probably going to be between them and the Falcons. So, you know, I I just I don't think they oh, did enough. I thought you meant the AFC South. I was like, holy shit! I'll <laughs> run to the casino for that. Uh, you no, meant I the entire league. The okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Like, Wait a second. Sorry. <laughs> Plus 220. To, to, uh, yeah. All right. Go ahead. All right, all right. Cool. My bad. No, that's really not a bad take, though. No, I, I don't mind plus two twenty because like the I, the only way I'm getting down on Texans futures is a plus money payout, and I think they're gonna suck. I think there's a better chance they suck than they're good. So plus yeah, two twenty to have the worst the worst record, and it's just like I don't. It doesn't seem like their movements are that mysterious. It feels like they're right. gunning for Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Like right. that feels pretty yeah. obvious, you know. I mean, I think like their biggest free agency move was probably they added Jerry Hughes, which is great addition. I think. I think Jerry Hughes is one of the yeah. more underrated pass rushers in the league. Um, you know, he's old, but you know, I, I think that's a solid move. But that's that's not really a move that that's gonna make you, you know, a seven win, eight win team, right? Yeah. And then you know, you add Marlon Mack to a crowded backfield. That's you know, it's probably gonna be Damian Pierce leading the way halfway through the season. So it's just. Really? You know, outside of Brandon, outside of Brandon Cooks, they don't really have any weapons. You know, John Mechie's nice, but Mar- Marlon Mack balled for you know this. Marlon, he's Mack, great. He he played really well for the Colts a couple a, years ago. He's a really he's a good running back. He's a really good running back. Very smart. Very uh, understanding of how to set up linebackers in the hole. Very conscious of all of his assignments and then the the assignments of everybody else. So he knows exactly where he needs to be. Um, you know, he tore his Achilles in 2020. And that really set him back. Obviously, the Achilles is a massive injury for running backs. But you know, even when he uh, even when he tore his Achilles and Jonathan Taylor was going on that crazy run his rookie year, Marlon Mack was there helping out. You know, in the running back room, helping. You know, really helping him. Jonathan Taylor adjust to life in the NFL. And then last year, it got a you know it got a little sticky just because obviously Taylor's the guy, right? You you don't trade up for him and then see him go berserk his rookie season, then not give him the starting role 
the next year. So Marlon Mack winds up asking for a trade, but it's really, I mean, it was mostly because he probably felt that he was healthy enough to help a team. And there just was an opportunity in the Colts backfield because you're not going to, you're not going to take away Terry's from Jonathan Taylor just to give him to Marlon Mack, you know, no disrespect to him, but yeah, like, um, but I like, I like that addition, you know, for the Texans. I think he's a solid, solid depth piece in the backfield. For sure, you, you, you mentioned no, no, no. I, I was in the process of cutting you off, so <laughs> I should. I'm happy I let you finish your point. You said Damian Pierce. I have on the depth chart. I have Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead. Yeah, and that's it. Like I have to click into another link or another tab, though. You said Damian Pierce. Is he a rookie? Yeah, yeah he's a fourth round pick out of Florida. Um, okay, and you like, think he's gonna get and, some run? Yeah, I think he will, just because he's a very physical runner. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at his profile, you know, in terms of uh, you know college production, it's abysmal it's awful like probably this like the the players that have his production profile go undrafted yeah but, they fired their coach right florida right yeah. yeah so but they but he tested really well and the stuff you see on tape shows a very physical running back and a guy who you know you he comes into an ambiguous backfield you know you have guys like marlon mack rex burkhead who's like 45 years old you know, he's going to have his opportunities. I think he's going to he's gonna be probably – Damian Pierce is probably going to be one of those guys we hear through the preseason that it's like, oh, this guy's kind of a surprise. Like, he's he's really physical, man. He really gets after it. And, you know, obviously going against that Texans defense is going to help. So, you yeah, know, I think the, halfway, through the, halfway through the season, he'll probably be close to the leading rusher on that team. Yeah, whoever not the that, Texans not that wire guy in. is is going to make a case for him to uh, rookie of the year up. Plus thirty thousand or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. There's going to be opportunity for him there, um, even if I do think you know ultimately Marlon Mack is probably going to start the season as as the starter. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to work out for Davis Mills or the Texans, but he's there's there's worse things to work with. Brandon Cooks, right. I'd argue, is underrated. Like I don't know, the guy just produces. Everywhere he goes, every year. So it's pretty much pencil him in seventy catches, thousand yards. Like it's, exactly. it's pretty much a guarantee. Nico Collins showed a little bit, whatever. I mean, in a reduced role or less need uh uh if he's less needed, maybe he can um I don't know, become more of a more of a contributor. John Mechie, who I think everyone's kinda down on because he was a little injured or whatever, but like he's gonna be fine. Uh, yeah. And if anything, he's going to make things really exciting for Brace Young when he comes in the next year. <laughs> but like Davis Mills has an opportunity if they can get to seven, eight wins, he can keep his job. Perhaps I, I would bet on that not happening. But I don't know. It's just too hard to wrap my 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 arms around this Texans team. I think they're accurately priced. Right? If it was five and a half, I right. would hammer the under. Right? right. But it's not. Uh, so. And I know you didn't have much on this, uh, Nate, but do you uh, do you want to move along to the, the 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 Jaguars, or do you have any further thoughts on this team? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't have too much else. All right, cool. So the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are going to try the Doug Peterson experiment, Super Bowl winning Doug Peterson uh, after just an absolute failure and one of the worst coaching debuts in NFL history really uh Jacksonville finished four and 13 last year uh dead last in DVOA um again Urban Meyer got fired after 13 games 
uh, they had the the toughest schedule or the tenth toughest schedule in the league per Football Outsiders last year. Drops down to twenty seventh toughest. They were minus twenty turnover differential. Here's their betting profile again. This is the Jaguars six and a half wins. The under minus one thirty. Over is plus one ten. Uh, to make the playoffs plus four fifty. The nose minus six fifty. To win the AFC South plus seven hundred. To win the AFC plus five thousand. To win the Super Bowl plus ten thousand. Nate, where or how are you uh, assessing the Jacksonville Jaguars coming into twenty twenty two? So I think a couple of my favorite bets. You said the over six point five was plus one ten. The over is plus six uh, plus one ten. Yep. So I think my favorite bet for the Jaguars is going to be that they finish third. I think the safest bet for the Jaguars is that they finish third in their division. It's actually still plus money. It's plus a hundred just because the different variables that are there. The Jags did what they needed to do in both the draft and free agency. Now, as we've discussed, I don't think it's better than what Tennessee or Indianapolis has, but I think Peterson's going to give them a welcome surprise. He's done more with less when he took Foles and company to that Super Bowl, and this team, I still, I still think they're a couple years away. Um, but I think Peterson's that good. If you look what they did, so in free agency they added Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherroff, uh, linebacker. Man, I'm gonna butcher this. Olukun, and then um, Zay Jones and Evan Ingram. I think that, and then in, I guess it's also important to note that they did take Trayvon Walker with the number one overall pick. I think that really improves what they needed to get better at. And then if you look at what Urban Meyer did, Urban Meyer didn't use James Robinson much. And I think, so I have a long story about. Wait a second. He ran that phone to the ground, didn't he? I don't know. I thought his first game, he had like five carries. I think what happened is he didn't use him a lot initially. And then he just blew out his Achilles. Then he just ran him to death. Yeah. I had like, 18 carries a couple games, 5-11. So either way... Um, yeah, no, there was one game he got benched. for. I think it was like an early fumble, and then he wound up with like 10 carries. Or right, and, and they asked Urban Myers, like, wait, who's James Robinson? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> guy didn't even know who Aaron Donald was. <laughs> I, had a, we talked he, about that last year. I actually... I think he was lying. Like, there's, yeah, no, there's no football coach on the planet who actually doesn't know who Aaron Donald is. That, that can't be a thing. I can't believe that. Uh, it's unreal. <laughs> Sorry, Nate. Yeah, Sorry. We, we did see worse from him, to be fair. And that's kind of why, I mean, we were high on the Jags a lot of last year, but that's kind of why I don't mind him. I mean, in 2020, uh, Robinson finished sixth with around 77 yards per game. He had a crapshoot year last year didn't play in a few games. And then I just think things are going to turn around for him. I think Lawrence has enough weapons. Sure. When you look back on it, did they overpay Christian Kirk? Probably absolutely. But did they get him um, Lawrence, the weapons they needed? Did they get him a tight end? That's big. That should be agile enough to go and get balls. Um, I think losing DJ Chark was important, but I don't think it was uh, the most uh, crippling thing. So I'm high on them to at least be better than the Texans. And uh, that's my take is that they're going to, they're going to finish third in the division. I don't, I think at plus 100, it's probably the safest bet I'm going to give out as a, at least on this episode. <laughs> I don't hate it, man. Um, I mean, it's again, this is another team. The, the bottom of the AFC is just tough, you know? 
Um, I'm still high on Trevor Lawrence. I just think he was in the worst situation. Didn't have much help around him. Didn't help him. Travis uh, Etienne got injured in OTAs or before the season even started, obviously. Um, Evan Ingram sounds like a nice signing. As a Giants fan, I I hate that guy. (laughs) Honestly, that guy sucks. But the, the Giants offense is terrible, right? So I'll listen to an argument that he'll be better in a better offense. Okay, I'll listen to that. Zay Jones, fine, right? They uh, helped out their offensive line with uh, getting Brandon Scherf. And I'm trying to skim through the football outsiders almanac where I read this so I can, like, give you guys the exact quote. But pretty sure Jacksonville spent the most or close to the most in free agency and teams that usually do that actually do gain like two or three wins year over year. Like it does matter, right? Like, granted, there was a lot of lot going on with the Patriots from the COVID season twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one, but that's an example, right? Where they gained X amount of wins, they spent a shit ton in free agency, but actually came through for them. And and I actually do I do think Doug Peterson is probably underrated as a coach, right? Like he he. He deserved to get a lot of criticism with how it ended and how he managed the Carson Wentz, Nick Foles thing. But the fact that Carson Wentz played an MVP caliber, got injured, and they still won the Super Bowl with a quarterback who no one likes. Like, no one likes Nick Foles. Like, as a person, he's great. Hell, my landlord, uh, that's that's her brother-in-law, actually. Supposedly a sweet guy. Yeah, I know that's a random story, but like everyone likes him personally, but no one likes him as a football player. Dude had one of the greatest Super Bowl performances ever. You can't you can't say Doug Peterson doesn't deserve a bunch of credit for that. He does, Right. right? So he could turn this around and plus like it's not like there's a heavy spotlight or a big spotlight on him in Jacksonville. No one even cares. They send him to Chernobyl, right. like whatever, dude. Do whatever <laughs> in Jacksonville. No one gives a shit. So like I do think there is enough talent, and, and the AFC South is weak enough that they could win the division. I gave them out as like a flyer because I was so high in Trevor Lawrence, and I thought the market was so down on them last year that I, I feel dumb doing it again, and I, and I just don't believe it. I almost have to see it to believe it. The one market that I'm excited about for for uh, Jacksonville is Trayvon Walker to win uh, defensive rookie of the year right now he is plus um i think he's plus 1000 i'm trying to find it right now he's, he's plus- I looked at that i knew someone was gonna look at that one just because number one overall pick yeah potential that's... i mean he's gonna get all the reps so it's smacking you in the face like he's tied with the fifth best odds bunch of people out of thousand aiden hutchinson's number one Kayvon thibodeau number two kyle hamilton no no beef with these quay walker a little confused on that. I know Trayvon Walker's stats weren't necessarily sick, but he was the first overall pick for a reason, right? No one no one had that much of a problem with it. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson maybe graded out better, but like whatever. The thing is, like Josh Allen's on the other side. Josh Allen right. is a force multiplier. Maybe Trayvon Walker gets some easy sacks or is just legitimately the number one pick in the draft and is that nasty. And if you're looking at previous winners of the of the defensive rookie of the year. Let's go through the last 12. Micah Parsons, edge rusher, uh, pass rusher. Chase Young, pass rusher. Nick Bosa, pass rusher. 
Darius Leonard, not. Marshawn Lattimore, not. Joey Bosa, pass rusher, right? Marcus Peters, no. Aaron Donald, pass rusher. Sheldon Richardson, defensive line. Uh, Luke Keekley, no. Vaughn Miller and Nadama Kinsu um, round out the top, the last 12. So a lot of pass rushers in there, right? It is a productive spot um, on the defense that, that, that like, is going to get more looks than uh, a cornerback who maybe won't get targeted as much or a linebacker who's almost, like, guaranteed to get 80 tackles, right? So if Trayvon Walker gets to 10 sacks and there isn't a lot of other sexy names, I mean, 10 to 1, I'm going to sprinkle on it. That is that is going to go with me to the window. So that's well, my only look that I have on the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, do you guys have anything else on this team, or do you guys want to head out of here? No, I mean, the only thing I would say about Trayvon Walker is you're just, you know, you're betting on the upside. The guy's a freak athlete. So, you know, it, it absolutely could come to fruition that he does explode year one and he gets, you know, he does hit those 10 sacks. I think that's it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to be the D-Roy. So, um, you know, when it comes to Walker, it's really just how they develop him. And, you know, you have a veteran coaching staff now in place. It's not, it's not Urban Meyer who thinks, you know, he's still at Ohio State. And can come in and, you know. Not a clown show. Right. It's just like, I think they're just in such a much better situation. It's such a better situation for Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, all three of my brothers went to South Carolina. So, you know, they weren't upset that Trevor Lawrence, you know, was a a bust this first season. (laughs) But, you know, if I'm looking at it objectively... Yeah, he he's in a good situation. You know, they had to pay the the Jacksonville, you know, tax to to get Christian Kirk. You know, he had to pay a little more for him to actually want to go down to Jacksonville. Um, and then, you know, Evan Ingram, I, I echo the same thoughts. Uh, I get PTSD when I think about him. And it, but but he's a good athletic piece, you know, to have in the offense, at least for you know, distraction purposes for the the defensive side of the ball if on the other ca- side. But. If he catches that fucking seam route, we're in the playoffs two years ago against the Eagles. Yeah, um, it, uh, it's it's seared into my brain. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's it's when I was like, all right, I'm done with this guy. I I, I no yeah. longer want him on the team. I, exactly, and that's exactly. I mean, that's you joke, but that's exactly how it goes. I mean, it's like that was the tipping point for Evan Ingram and Giants fans, right? Because um, I would I would go to I was. I was on that wall for Evan Ingram. I was going to war for him. Right, yeah. And then sent, yeah. And then I watched it, and then a bunch of friends sent me a video of it on Instagram. It's like, you know what? I tap. You know, he That's sucks. It. Yeah. He sucks. Yeah. I tap. That's it. So, <laughs> uh, but but no, I, I think uh, obviously for the Jaguars, you can only go up from last year. But I do like the the pieces that they've put in place, even if they did have to overspend a little bit in free agency, well, a lot of it actually in free agency. But you, you had to do that. You had to build around your young quarterback. You had to give him a chance to at least shed that bust label because everybody's down on him now. And, you know, I you know, I think he had like 12 touchdowns to 17 interceptions or something like that, which is just wild for the, the kind of profile that he came into the league with. But I, I think we do see improvements. I think having Doug Peterson there is going to help. Um, Press Taylor was with the Colts last year, but was with Doug Peterson with the Eagles. He's the offensive coordinator now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're very close. So the offense should run relatively smoothly. It just all comes down to Trevor Lawrence and his and his development. But I do like the pieces that they put in place, and I think they are a safe bet to be third place. I mean, if I if I had to look at it right now, it, uh, my opinion would be Colts, Titans, Jags, and then Texans bringing up the rear. 
Understood. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with you and that stuff. And I'm happy you kind of put a bow on the Jacksonville Jaguars so we can get out of here. But, uh, as you guys know, we like to, um, we like to wrap things up with our, our final segment with our best bets that we call going to the window. So let's head there now. The bet slipping podcast going to the window. All right. I only got two looks here and they're, they're kind of last second looks, uh, Kevin and Nate, but I'm going with, uh, my best bets here from this podcast. Take the Titans plus 170 when the AFC South and I'll uh, sprinkle a quarter unit on uh, Trayvon Walker to win defensive rookie of the year at plus 1,000. Those are my two uh, bets that I'm into here for the AFC South. Uh, Nate, how about you? All right, I got two as well. I got Jags finishing position third in the AFC South plus 100 and then Colts to get eliminated in the wild card round. I'm going to stick behind that one at plus 200. Kevin, tackle this any way you want. I know you have possibly a big bet slip, or you can just give us one good one, whatever you think, man. Uh, we'll go with two here. I think uh, I think the, one of the best bets is going to have the Colts uh, at one and the Titans at two in the division. Um, I think that's plus 150, and then the Texans being the worst record. That's uh, I think I, that's probably one of the best bets. I mean, I'd, It's hard for me to find a team that's going to be worse than them, maybe the Atlanta Falcons, but I think the Texans are going to be pretty bad this year. Fair. I, I don't disagree. Uh, where can people find your stuff, Kevin? You can, fo- you can follow me uh, at on Twitter at Kevin Hickey 11. Uh, the Colts Wire is at the Colts Wire on Twitter and then coltswire.usatoday.com. All right. Good stuff. Thanks for dropping by. I thought you did a great job. Hopefully the listeners can profit off of our advice, your advice, uh, just by listening to this podcast. Do us a favor. Shout us out on social media or leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week to break down the NFC South. That's the next uh, next division we'll hit in our 2022 NFL preview series. But thanks again, Kevin, uh, for, Nate, for Nate and I. Uh, thanks for listening to the Bet Slipping Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Peace. See you. This is the Bet Slipping Podcast featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slipping Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here.